Welcome to Superheroes of Science. I'm Steven. And I'm Sarah. We co-host Science from the Experts. Our guests are professionals doing cutting-edge science right now. They're experts in their field discussing what they know best. So listen up and learn real science from real people. Subscribe now and stay informed of our latest episodes and show your support. Joining us today at Superheroes of Science, we are pleased to welcome Doug Schmidt, who is a brand professor of unconventional energy. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I think you're going to have to explain some of though, because yeah. you seem like a fairly conventional fellow to yeah. me. And so it's right. like, what makes you unconventional? Okay, well, uh, <laughs> unconventional, basically, what it would traditionally mean and had in the last few years, right? I, you know, there's been uh, a lot of hydraulic fracture, right? And so that was actually uh, uh, a huge amount, particularly in US and North America. And so that was uh, one form of unconventional hydrocarbon energy, right? So uh, uh, that th the, the, the brands, right, they wanted to have more geological input into mm -hmm. This is quite an engineering-driven sort of a process, right? It's like factories, right? They, they go and they drill horizontal holes and, and frack. And so, uh, but I actually call myself the unconventional, unconventional. <laughs> I do some of that, or, you know, studying the rock properties, but I also uh, really into other aspects of energy production too, like uh, um, geothermal, quite interested in, and... Uh, uh, and then storage of greenhouse gases, right? CO2 underground. I've uh, done quite a bit of that. And, uh, and uh, also what's coming is gonna be storing hydrogen underground. So, you know, uh, all interested in, in the, I mean, that's not my entire research, but that's, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. uh, kind of the broad brush of the, the, the areas where it uh, can be applied, right? So. Now when you say, uh, storing underground, right, and so uh, this is carbon sequestration, right? Correct, right. And yeah. So I, I uh, we hear of carbon credits and things right. like that, and we hear of the sequestration, but I don't, I don't think a lot of people really understands what that means, right, right, and how that works. Could you right. kind of explain that well, just a little bit? I don't know that I can just talk enough. about the legal aspects and the carbon uh, credits. We don't want to talk about the galley <laughs> stuff right now, but uh, geologically and geophysically, right? So uh, the idea and uh, the main one, uh, there's different forms of this, right? Would be you have uh, porous sandstones, right? So uh, porous sandstones are, uh, uh, or carbonate rocks, limestones, they got big pores in them. And, uh, you know, most of them, a, a tiny fraction has, say, oil and gas in it, right? Okay. But most of them are filled with salty water, brines, right, that are way saltier than, than what we get um, in the ocean, right? Oh. It's sitting, oh, yeah, just the nasty stuff, right? In fact, probably going to be mining them for lithium, but that's another story. <laughs> but uh, uh, so and, uh, the idea is to then pump uh, carbon dioxide uh, into the earth, uh, into these reservoirs, right? Uh, and uh, then in over a course of years, maybe a century or maybe less, depending on the rock type and the minerals in it, that it reacts and becomes basically things like calcite, and it's locked away forever, right? So that's the, the idea, and uh, pumping basically CO2 that would be stripped out of large producing uh, sites like uh, refineries 
and particularly coal-fired power plants and um, uh, cement uh, uh, plants and steel mills, uh, right? And uh, so that's uh, that's basically the idea. You uh, you take the sm smokestack off these things, you strip out the CO2, and then you inject it into the underground so it doesn't get into the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. So it's really a stopgap, right? You know, because we're not our energy needs are so high mm -hmm. yeah. you know we're not going to be able to go to renewables overnight right it's going to take some time it's fattening fast uh and uh so this is going to be a stopgap for trying to get rid of some forms of uh, co2 from large emitters uh another interesting one that could have applications here and uh, particularly in, in indiana and elsewhere is uh uh, actually making hydrogen, right? And then stripping the hydrogen, I mean, uh, you, uh, you make that from methane, you make that from natural gas today. Okay. 95% or more of the hydrogen on earth is made that way, right? Not through electrolysis of water. That's still actually very energy inefficient and expensive and difficult. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, uh, the idea would be then to, uh, you know, take the, uh, make, hydrogen still in that same manner, right? But then strip the CO2 out of the process and uh, bury it, right? So that's stopgap. And then you can use the hydrogen uh, for a lot of things, like steel production, right? You can get rid of coal and, and all of that, right? So uh, this is one way to kind of stopgap maybe CO2 entering the atmosphere until we can make hydrogen other ways, right? That we have the technology to do that. Right? So, so we're going to use. I mean, there's yeah, yeah. A, a number of questions. I mean, yeah. At this point, uh, we try to figure out which one to ask. Right. <laughs> I want to ask about the hydrogen. Right. Why are we making hydrogen? I mean, I, I mean, I kind of well, we heard make, about hydrogen cars. We make lots of. We make a lot of hydrogen already, right? It's it. Uh, you're a good part of you is hydrogen made from this process that goes into making fertilizer to grow food that you ate. Did you say I was a full of it? <laughs> <laughs> of them, I am too, are, right? <laughs> so some portion of you has come from a reactor, right? <laughs> big hydrogen that went into making ammonia yeah. that is, we, you know, we fertilize like crazy around the planet. We can't feed everybody without doing that. Uh, that's one major, that's one big, maybe a, uh, uh, I don't know the statistics, but a, a pretty sizable fraction of the hydrogen on the planet goes to make that. Another high, big chunk goes to uh, taking oils and adding hydrogen to them to make them uh, better quality, right? Oh. And then, uh, yeah, so you take a heavy oil, it's got a lot of carbon versus hydrogen, you got to add hydrogen to make it so it's lighter yes. molecules. That's okay. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, uh, so huge amounts are for that. And then huge amounts are for just about any chemical process, we're going to need hydrogen, right? So, uh, uh, yeah, we produce a lot of hydrogen already. Uh, but you're right, right? That's why, uh, so those things are going to be there, but we could also use hydrogen for, for making steel and anything, or maybe aluminum and, and all this kind of stuff where mm -hmm. traditionally we're using, um, uh, you know, coal or carbon types of... Uh, uh, chemical reactions, right? The, okay. We just can't get away from the process of producing steel produces CO2 just because of the way you take the iron mineral and the carbon and you make uh, steel, right? Mm -hmm. iron. Yeah, so, uh, but we can get away with that with hydrogen. So, and then, then you added in, you said, um, 
transportation. Yeah. So there's big arguments, right, about is that going to be a viable transportation fuel? It, it's uh, uh, it's probably going to work in some places, right? Uh, and uh, you know, there's uh, fuel cells which don't really burn hydrogen, but they take hydrogen and produce water and, mm -hmm. and electrons, right? They can drive your vehicles. Uh, and then, uh, so the problem with hydrogen uh, as a fuel like that is that, well, uh, there's transmission and all that kind of thing. It's more dangerous, say, than yeah. natural gas or gasoline or, you know, uh, in that sense. Uh, but um, uh, it's, it's energy density isn't very high, right? So the reason we're driving, uh, uh, let's go back 100 years, the reason we're driving gasoline vehicles today is you, it's almost impossible to get a fuel that has the energy density of gasoline or diesel. Oh. Because uh, lithium batteries are way down the scope on that. So you got to have like a ton or more of lithium batteries you're going yeah. around in your car, right? So the energy density in, uh, uh, in those fuels is why they want out in the early days, right? It just, you, you pack a lot of energy uh, in, yeah. in fossil fuels, right? Yeah. So, but trying to get hydrogen into a form that you could have that energy density for transportation is, is not so easy. Uh, you might be able to do it with making ammonia, right? And burning ammonia uh, and uh, as one way, or maybe some other similar chemicals, right? But, but uh, uh, that's uh, kind of the, the one problem we've got right now is this energy density issue right so yeah. well back up to the so question thing sure right? just just for a second here and it's a, i'm envisioning if if the stone is porous and mm -hmm. it has like a salt water type stuff in it right or right. Like whether it's oil they're pushing out or, or or the water they're pushing out and they're replacing it with co2 co2 is a gas right mm -hmm. and so are there problems involved there with like compression yes is it going to compress too much and it, right. what? so they compress it to uh, high pressure and temperature uh, well not necessarily temperature but but the co2 is actually a very interesting fluid because it, it goes into what's called a supercritical state and actually i don't know if you know what that is it's it, we, we should be taught that in grade school but we're not right? <laughs> you know solid liquid gas right but there's also yep. this thing called supercritical right in fact you're living in a supercritical nitrogen right now, but you, you know, it's just, it's a certain phase of, of a gas really. Okay. And uh, so uh, it's easy to get uh, CO2 into the supercritical phase. You, you pump it to the right pressure and the right temperature. It's only about 31 degrees Celsius, right? And a pressure of about what you'd get, say 700 meters in the earth. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it has to be uh, compressed to high enough pressure, right? Because you have to first, get it dense enough and then it has to be able to have the pressure to push mm -hmm. you know just a, the logistics of pushing fluid into another fluid with salty water in it yeah you've got to you know be able to overcome that pressure and, and move it right so it's kind of the inverse of what they do in a lot of petroleum right where you're you're taking the pressure and yeah. lifting it up right so you're pushing it in and so um, uh, yeah so that you know that's a problem it takes energy one problem with uh, doing this CO2, say from a coal-fired power plant, it's pretty energy intensive itself. So, so it's just stripping the CO2 out of the, the you know, the, the flow, yeah. the, the smokestack, let's say, right, uh, is, um, 
uh, takes a lot of energy, right? So, you know, so that that's one problem because yeah, you got to strip it, which is energy intensive, and you got to pump it, compress it, and put it into a pipeline and have it go all the way down. Typically, more than two kilometers, probably more than a mile and a half, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so the reason is, you want to be safe. You don't want it. You don't want it returning anywhere. You want it to be in, in. Uh, I'll call them reservoirs, sandstone reservoirs, right? That, uh, like a petroleum reservoir, right? They'd, ha they'd have a, a cap of uh, low permeability rock that, mm -hmm. that you don't want anything to get through. It gets trapped, right? For millions of years, you hope, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, so those are some of the, uh, the problems with that. Yeah. And then there's uh, still a lot to learn. How do these fluids move? And because it's going to be a huge amount of CO2 that, to do this, right? It's mm -hmm. gonna, there's gonna have to be a lot of places to do it, right? Where we are here, maybe not right here, but we don't have to go very far uh, into Illinois, right? And, mm -hmm. and uh, the, the, there's, a, there's really good reservoirs, very thick sandstones that are very old, Cambrian age, right? Uh, uh, with filled with just salty water, there's no hydrocarbons in them, right? And uh, uh, so Illinois is becoming a very popular place, right? And where I was from before Alberta, too, there's after huge efforts in Saskatchewan, in those sedimentary basins to mm -hmm. to store store the uh, the CO2. Yeah. And, so, and when I think of CO2, I understand the gases in the air, right? But you keep saying fluid. Right, you say it. Yeah. And then, it's, from what you just said a minute ago, it sounds like it's kind of between a gas and it fluid is, once right? it hits that. It's a really neat fluid. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's uh, uh, actually uh, there might be even applications for it in geothermal. And uh, uh, but uh, if you uh, wear supercritical CO two, uh, you know you can do you can replace a lot of hydrocarbons with it. Right. That say dry cleaning. Right. Oh. Or when they want to uh, uh, make uh, uh, decaffeinated coffee, mm -hmm. right? That's all actually done a lot now with uh, with uh, supercritical CO two, right? You actually don't have to get to that high pressure and temperature to really, really do it. And so, uh, uh, how they decaffeinate coffee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I have no idea how they decaffeinate. Well, I think there's don't ask me. I'm not an expert, <laughs> but I think there's a water process and there is CO two. So yeah, you can eat supercritical CO two, which it's almost got the density of the liquid, mm -hmm. right? But it has say the viscosity of the the gas, right? So it's very interesting kind of. Uh, Fluid, right? And of course, it depends on pressure and temperature. Mm -hmm. and yeah. Yeah. So that was going to be my question. What yeah. are those properties of a supercritical? So it's, so it's right. about the density of the liquid phase, but right, right, yeah, but it still can, maintains right? the, yeah. the the the, the, the you said viscosity. So how thick? Right, is, right, right. Yeah. So uh, you yes. know, and, and it depends, of course, on pressure mm -hmm. and temperature. But those are things that, if you're trying to model uh, mm -hmm. what's happening, going to uh, predict what's going to happen down there, you have to take those physical properties of the fluid into to account. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I don't know, is this question political or not, but why would a company want to do that? Well, right now, uh, uh, a lot of pressure to reduce CO2, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. As you, you mentioned, uh, various kinds of incentives, right? There could be, depending on the jurisdiction, tax incentives, right, mm -hmm. to get rid of it. Uh, there could be PR, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. And uh, 
uh, probably uh, depending on what you're doing, it could be the right thing to do, right? If you want, if you really want, well, okay, suppose you're making steel and you want to use hydrogen, but to do that, you got to make hydrogen from methane. Uh, you can actually get quite a premium on on your steel today. The automakers all want uh, very little being made today. The Swedes are way ahead of us, right? Uh, and uh, they're producing steel made from hydrogen without CO2 emissions. So if you're going to buy a car, you'll pay five extra bucks. Mm -hmm. You know, okay, yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, I'll buy that car that's made. And so all the automakers want, for example, mm -hmm. want uh, steel made from uh, hydrogen, right? Okay. So that's just one path, right? Apple wants aluminum for the cases on their their iPhones and mm -hmm. computers made from uh, aluminum that doesn't require carbon, right? So, and hydrogen might play a role in that. I, you know, there's yeah. some processes out there, but they don't tell you because it's all yeah. proprietary right, right. now. Uh, and so, uh, there's a real premium on, yeah, on materials, it, metals. I mean, that's mm -hmm. that, and that's just one. Is there a, yeah, a benefit geologically to do that too? I know it's like when we when we frack and we pull out. The, the right, oils right, right, right. Is there a benefit to them to push something in that so that we don't have settling? Uh, well, yeah, I don't think uh, anybody's, you could, right? One place you could, an ideal place probably to put this CO2 would be uh, an old oil reservoir, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and that, but that would be a pretty, compared to the scale of it, right? Uh, you know, there's oil reservoirs here and there where you could probably do that and uh, uh, help with some of the settling, right? But uh, uh, that probably isn't going to be a major, major okay. thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do so, they have to pump some of the salt water out of the other places to make room for the CO2 that we're pushing in? Uh, no, no. Or is uh, this all you compressed don't want in there? To, this, uh, you want to avoid bringing that up, right? That's, that's really, you bring this super salty water up and what do you do with it then, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, so, uh, no, so the idea is you push it in and so so what happens is, you know, the pressures are going to uh, get a little higher in the reservoir and, mm -hmm. and, and then distribute out, right? And basically you hope, or the idea is, and it should happen, right, that the CO2 will react eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that'll just fill up with brine again, right? But, uh, yeah, no, the fluid's going somewhere, oh, right? okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, these, but these are, you know, reservoirs, these sandstone reservoirs are, you know, typically, uh, let's say on the order of 50 meters or 150 feet thick or so. I'm just, you know, ballparking mm -hmm. it. And, but hundreds of kilometers by hundreds of kilometers, right? And so if you uh, say the pore space is 20% of that volume, yeah. think how much, you know, and you actually did the calculation on how much volume, <laughs> there's a lot of volume, right? Yeah. You can can stuff CO2 in, right? So, so is it, would it, would it be a lot of energy to make up for, you said this would be, and this would take, require energy yeah, to yeah, do this. Right, right. Is there a break-even point then where it Well, it becomes... I mean, that goes into the costs of all of this, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if there's regulatory, if you're going to be taxed or you in one way or another, like in Canada, you're taxed, right, mm -hmm. on CO2 emitted. Probably certain jurisdictions in the States, you're, you're taxed, right? Other mm -hmm. jurisdictions, you you get tax credits, right? Or yeah, or you may get a tax credit if you get rid of so many, so many. tons of CO2, right? right? So uh, uh, so I think that's kind of one of the economic drivers mm -hmm. of that 
at the present time, right? Mm -hmm. so one of the main ones, yeah. Okay. Well, that, I mean, it's budgetarily wise. I mean, if you're taxing people, putting extra CO2 in and, you know, giving benefits, incentives, financial, right. yeah, right. that's kind yeah, of right. yeah. pay for itself. Of yeah, yeah. So, so if you, if you admit it, I mean, there's different models. And like I said, yeah. I, I don't know all these financial models all that well, but there's the, uh, the taxes and then there's credit trading and, and all of that kind of stuff, right? But but this one is pretty solid because you you measure how much you pump in and it goes away. And <laughs> it's not like some of the others where you, you know, a little bit, hmm, is that really happening, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's harder to measure some of the other ones, right? Uh, to where you can get, when you buy an airplane, you can save your carbon, yeah. Credits. Mm -hmm. Do you really know what's actually going on? Is that a, you know how real yeah. <laughs> is that right? So so this is one thing. You, you know how much you pump down there and it's gone, right? So it's yeah. pretty solid. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Yep. okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> now some of the other uh, forms there because that's that's hopefully going to help with like coal and stuff like that right. burning mm -hmm. right. and offset. But then some of the other you're talking about is like geothermal. Right, right. How, yeah. They, yeah. how well, first of all, how does geothermal work? And then how, um, what's the future of geothermal? Well, I think it's it's going to be really good. Uh, uh, I'll back up to this thing of energy density again. Yes. Saying, you know, gasoline is pretty good and coal's okay, and but everything else is... You know, so that's that's one of our been our problems. So geothermal, you know, if we delve deep enough, it's going to get hot wherever we are on the planet. Another fair statement. Yeah, this is a, <laughs> so you know there is, uh, and, but there's different forms of, of geothermal. One problem is it's uh, even if you have hot water, its energy density isn't that high, right? Mm -hmm. Compared to you know, so so you have to move lots of fluid, or you have to move. You know a lot of energy usually through huge volumes of water or something like that right so uh, uh, that's one of the the drawbacks but uh, no I think it's uh, I think it's a it's a, a great topic and the ones I've been involved with was drilling in Idaho looking for geothermal energy there but you can do this at, at different levels right you don't uh, you're probably thinking of generating electricity right mm -hmm. And, uh, and certainly we can do that, but you need usually pretty hot water to do that, right? Mm -hmm. 200 degrees C or more. Or you can use certain kinds of, they're called binary systems where uh, maybe you could use 100 degrees or so water, right? At the surface, right? Uh, but then there's uh, one other aspect uh, is basically just using it for heating and cooling, right? So if you bring up yeah. warm water, and uh, uh, it, there's a there's the, you know in the community right there's a term geothermal uh, used quite a bit and and uh, you've seen that and you're maybe thinking about putting a geothermal heating and cooling yeah. system mm -hmm. in right mm -hmm. you know I am right because it probably save you a lot of money right but it takes a few years to pay it off but but I I, I actually don't like the term geothermal there because <laughs> that's still pretty shallow. And, and what it's doing, what the, but uh, you can do systems like that, uh, that go deeper. And uh, so the idea is if you've got, uh, uh, you know, any kind of, I'll call it a reservoir down there, mm -hmm. right? You can dump heat into it or you can dump, take heat out, right? And so suppose you've got, uh, say we drilled right here 
and uh, this is something I'd kind of like to push <laughs> on campus, right? Could we set up some kind of geothermal system and uh, where we go, let's say a kilometer, okay? And let's say, I'm just ballparking, I don't know the temperature, but let's say the temperature is 35 degrees, 40 degrees C, right? Okay. And uh, uh, we say we, we bring the fluid up, we can use heat pumps with that to, mm -hmm. to greatly increase the temperature of that water, right? For say, like on campus for, mm -hmm. for heating. There's a, uh, the place I saw this is incredible was Lund, Sweden. So they actually take water, it's only 22 degrees C, mm -hmm. and they pump it up into this huge heat pump and they put it to 75 degrees C and then they pump it into town and it, it heats like a third or a half of the town, right? Oh, oh wow. Right? And That's uh, incredibly energy efficient. So, so the energy, there's some called a coefficient of um, oh, efficiency on these things. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the energy, it's actually, they're really, these heat pumps are really good. Uh, I'm talking about lower temperature kinds of geothermal, right? Uh, because uh, the, uh, you get about 3.5 to five times. So you, you have to use electricity. It's like a big refrigerator, okay? Okay. So the back of your refrigerator is hot, right? right. It's taking yeah. energy out, putting it in, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is you have this water, you take the heat out of it, you heat, heat up something here. But that's, uh, so if you wanted to heat that, say you burn natural gas, that would be one, okay? But the amount of energy heat produced if you uh, advanced, right, multiplied with a heat pump, it's say 3.5 to five times as much. So if you can run that thing electrically, right, and uh, instead of burning the methane, actually, yeah, you burn the methane in a fire in a gas-fired power plant, generate electricity, yeah. and run your heat pump uh, with say a factor of three point five to five as much heat energy you can move, and you can do that for heating or cooling. Okay, mm -hmm. so they're incredible. Uh, uh, you know, this is probably going to be happening on a big scale <laughs> in in the future, right? They will be using the, these heat pumps just because they're so much more efficient than uh, for heating. And cooling than than just using say hydrocarbons directly, right? So, so that's where where I think a lot of the geothermal say here, if we could go down uh, a kilometer or so and find a, a nice sandstone reservoir or, or or something, right? Or or there's some really neat ideas now too, where uh, instead of actually having to touch the res the rock. You drill a borehole like this, and you drill two boreholes, mm -hmm. and they're both horizontal, and you match them up, and you, you seal them, and then you, say, run a fluid that'll collect the yeah. heat through it. So you're not, you know, touching, you know, you're not communicating with fluids. The fluids down there are nasty, right? So you can use something that's going to be a good heat exchange fluid, right? There's a company testing that now, actually back in Alberta, right? And, uh, so those are all kinds of new technologies that could be used to um, uh, try and get that kind of lower grade geothermal energy okay. out, right? Yeah. 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 So, uh, but then the, What's the, the, the fun ones are the, the also oh, okay. The fun ones are the hot ones, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's where we really need to push technology. Sorry, I got off. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, because it's still hard. If you want to get down 
there's actually supercritical water. And so they're testing this in Iceland, you know, where you have uh, uh, basically a magma, right? Yeah. Close to the oh, surface, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, uh, so they want to, if you can get, again, if you can get to this supercritical water, not supercritical CO2, uh, but you have to go to higher pressures and higher temperatures, you know, yeah. maybe, yeah. don't quote me for sure, 350C and uh, uh, probably pressures you'd get four or five kilometers down. Uh, but then because of this issue mm -hmm. that you have the density of the liquid, but uh, this lower viscosity, you can move. Up. And there's also some interesting things about the supercritical water that it carries more heat uh, than say just water, right? That uh, these could be ways to, to really generate electricity, but you need the right geological conditions. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, well, let me ask you this. Um, this might be a little out there, but sure, sure. that's what I'm known for. Um, we have only a certain amount of oil, or right. natural gas, right. petroleum right. On, on Earth. Is there only a certain amount of heat inside the Earth? If we yeah. all go to geothermal, can we actually like well, deplete the Earth? Well, you're actually right. You can, right? And so, in a sense, you know, you suppose you, you run a bunch of boreholes and you start pumping cold fluid through it, right? Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna cool down. So you, in a sense, uh, say on a century time scale, yeah, you're probably mining it, right? But then uh, uh, it'll it'll come back. It, it's slow. Conduction in the earth is very slow. So, uh, and the earth is very hot down there. So yeah, it'll come back, right? But you are. You are mining it in a in a temporary fashion. That heat, yeah. right? Because uh, and I think there is problems with that. Uh, um, oh, it's the geysers in Northern California. It actually, produces. It's been ongoing now for decades, right? It's geothermal energy production for. Uh, it, I think it produces a lot of the energy for, for San Francisco and the Bay Area, right? Oh. And that's been going on for decades. And so you know, I think they're running into problems where. And where it's cooled down and you know becomes less efficient the system mm -hmm. so those are definitely considerations yeah well help me with my foundations uh basic and this is right. stuff you're like you should shouldn't be asking right now <laughs> um, but, um where's the heat come from inside the earth okay how how did it get oh, there okay so is it always been good there? thing i'm teaching 118 because i remember this <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, uh, actually, so uh, came from different uh, aspects, right? So, so one was just the forming of the Earth 4.6 billion years ago. If you slam the Earth together, you know, uh, there's probably there's probably more energy there to, uh, in principle, to vaporize it, right? So there's a huge yeah. amount of energy right from the beginning. The whole thing was probably some people want a, a molten ball, right? And then it differentiated. So when it differentiated, then you know you have this thing, the core, which is all quite heavy. It had to fall, right? So think about the entire core falling thousands of kilometers and how much heat energy that's going to generate. Then there was radioactive decay, right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and that's particularly in in the crust, which is kind of the scum on the earth. You know, collects all the radioactives. <laughs> so we got higher radioact natural radioactivity here, right? Uh, and uh, uh, that's uh, producing uh, some still, right? Mm -hmm. And um, oh, and the, the fact that uh, uh, the inner core 
this is worrisome, you know, for a billion times. <laughs> it's growing, right? It's cooling. And so as, as uh, whatever iron or some kind of alloy is growing on that outer core, that's releasing heat. Uh, right uh, too. So so those are you know there's just a lot of heat from the initial formation of the Earth and plus that initial radioactivity and ongoing radioactivity and, and yeah yeah uh, that's there. So uh, there's a lot. Yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't know how much actually. That's that's a good point. I need to bring that up. Put that in my lectures now. <laughs> Find that out. <laughs> but uh, yeah no it's, it's there's a lot of heat energy down there. Yeah. Okay. So. I, so something I'm wondering this again this might be maybe maybe you just can help me with my foundations for right. this as well but um, when we talk back to pumping co2 out or maybe co2 that's produced back into the right ground, right is that okay first of all is that done right now yes yeah. is it done right now? yes okay. yeah so there's been uh, uh, actually right next door some of the the initial projects at Decatur. I'm probably saying that incorrectly because I haven't figured out my Midwest <laughs> how to say names yet. Uh, right? Uh, yeah, right in Decatur. Illinois. That, uh -huh. So they put about, uh, uh, I think, about a, a million tons of CO2 as a test project there. Uh, that actually is an ethanol plant, and ethanol oh, has a yeah. pure CO2 stream coming out of it when okay. you make uh, the ethanol from corn. Oh. Right? So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there's another place. Uh, that you want to, to bury. Uh, and so that was a test, right? Okay. Uh, there's a bunch of projects being thought of right now over in Illinois and in, in uh, uh, North Dakota and, and in Canada and Alberta and British Columbia, well, uh, Saskatchewan. There's quite a large project near a coal-fired power plant uh, right on the border with North Dakota. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so there's, uh, and then in yeah, various places, you know, Australia, Europe, it's it's being tested, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So if it could there if there's enough, or maybe it doesn't take much, if it's pumped out of the atmosphere underground, what's well, no, we're not going to pump it out oh, of the atmosphere. Oh, okay. I was like, well, I don't know. Okay, no. <laughs> no. So it would be, suppose you've got a coal-fired power plant, right? And okay. you've got the, the smokestack coming yeah, out right. of it. And, and then you take that and you uh, strip the... Oh, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, that's one thing. It's probably not going to work on cars, and you know, because yeah, you yeah, need yeah, a, yeah. a large kind of source of okay. CO2, right? Well, that, yeah, okay. To make Thank it, uh, yeah, 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 that yeah. Makes sense. yeah. Actually, but actually, <laughs> <laughs> that's one question I gave is, uh, if they, uh, yeah. so I'm teaching the energy course, right? Uh -huh. So yeah. one of the things I say, oh, what are some of the problems with uh, CO2 injection, right? That, uh, you know, they have to multiple, multiple answer type thing. And one mm -hmm. was that, I said, we're going to take too much CO2 out and we'll all die or something. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah. feel that one right now. <laughs> Said that, now they'll all get that one right. Yeah. Okay. So we all listen, yes. I know, right? <laughs> you, you eat your free exam question. Yeah, that's here. about one thousandth of their. You're not going to pass the course based on that. <laughs> Bonus question. Yeah. So, what um, we talk about the amount of energy that's in different fuels and stuff. Mm -hmm. What is the what type of energy that we use as humankind um, is the most efficient overall? Oh, oh geez. Most efficient. Uh, yeah, I'll put I, I guess, <laughs> well, it, it depends on so many things, right? So let me give you, yeah, that's a, maybe an impossible one to answer, but uh, okay, I'll give t 
two examples. So you may not know it, but if you, it's more efficient in terms of energy to take the gasoline and burn it in a coal fire in a power plant, mm -hmm. generate electricity, charge your electric car, and run the electric car because an electric car is so much more efficient than an internal combustion engine, right? Uh, your gasoline engine, if you get 25, 30 percent, you know, uh, actually energy yeah. going down yeah. the road, you're lucky, right? So uh, that's kind of, you know, so it's kind of the context and the comparison, I think, that you have to do there. Uh, another, you know, really efficient, uh, say, uh, uh, is the gas-fired uh, power plant. So, uh, so they do kind of a dual thing. So they take natural gas in turbines, right, and they burn it at incredible temperature, right, because mm -hmm. Back to basic thermodynamics, if you want an efficient process, you got to have a very high temperature and a cold temperature, and the efficiency gets better with that, right? So we can never achieve that, right, in yes. the theory, but mm -hmm. but you want to get still as high a temperature you can. And these, these gas-fired uh, power plants, right, there's, I guess, one just built on campus there recently oh. uh, and uh, they're 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 incredibly efficient because they got the very high temperature but then you um, and I think we're looking at probably 65 percent or so efficiency oh, right? wow. but then it gets even better because with these things and that's what they're doing here they take the steam generated off mm -hmm. that and then they run it through a regular steam turbine. So you do a gas turbine, like, you know, it would be on a jet, essentially, right? right? And then, uh, and that's very hot, ex the exhaust is just super hot, right? And then, so they heat up, they boil water with that, and that runs steam turbines, right? So you got this two-step process. And then you can take the water, the warm water that's left, and, and I think they do that here on campus, right? And, yeah. and run it around for heating and cooling, right? So, oh, yeah. Well, I did have no idea. Yeah, so you can start to get, uh, you know, so it's not like what's the most efficient thing, I think, is what can you do to design as efficiently as possible, right? Is probably more the, uh, uh, the way to look at it, yeah. yeah. Cause it's, it's all these moving pieces sometimes, right? So, yeah, that uh, well, like go that. together and yeah. cost, of course, money and time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right to make it yeah. more efficient. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, and I didn't think about it because I, I'm not asked an expert. But you know, it's you think about like the electric car, right? Know, it, right. Versus, as you mentioned, versus uh, my clunker that I drove here. Today. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, is it really more efficient to have to drive an electric car? Well, that's what I thought too. But the, you actually got some, you know, some numbers out there, and I just yeah. kind of blew me away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of energy efficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, I just did not think about the well because those electric motors run at 85 percent or so efficiency, right, on your in your electric car. So, uh, yeah, just uh, and uh, it's just yeah. Well, I, yeah. Think, I mean, that's something I learned recently too myself. So <laughs> I don't I feel too bad. I know. I know. <laughs> well, and I think this is something. I mean, it's definitely something I've heard too. That well, right. they're electric cars, but they have to charge from right. whatever. But right. I think that I love that you bring up this point about the efficiency. Right. Right. And but uh, yeah, so again, you know, then there's a CO two output. Of course, mm -hmm. if you're charging your electric yeah. car in Indiana, mm -hmm. well, except we do have a lot of wind and there's going to be more solar. But you know, you're producing a lot of CO two, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're charging in Norway, where everything's hydroelectric, or Quebec, right? Then you know, no CO two, right? So right. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, so there's that aspect of it too. Mm -hmm. but, 
and I, I like to mention that I, I like that you you talked about look you know looking into geothermal because I just replaced last this last week yeah. my water heater yeah I yeah. had an electric water heater it was it was like literally was 55 years old we figured up something like that wow. so it's lasted quite a while and I'm very happy that but we had to replace it finally it rusted out and it's I looked at because they have the geothermal right. water heaters. I thought, right. oh, those right. are a little more, but that would be really cool. But I don't have like a heat pump unit. I had right. to figure out what you had to have. I'm like, oh, I can't buy one of these because right. I don't no, have it's, a heat pump I mean, unit. I'm like, wow, out. if I was yeah. changing it all out or yeah. starting fresh, well, you're that'd be the way to go. You know, you're heating and air conditioning and, and your water heating, right? You're, yeah. you're going to start it fresh in a new house. I mean, uh, it's still be more expensive because you got to go and run loops in the ground yeah. and the whole to start thing. With. Yeah. Or you can use... Uh, I guess we're getting way off drilling, but you can actually use dual systems that, that they'll have a heat pump from outside or a heat pump underground, and then it can switch to where the, depending what the temperature is, where it's going to be most oh. efficient, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. So I don't know how much those cost, but, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, that's, uh, 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 you know, depending what, you know, where the temperature is most beneficial, right? Okay. It'll, it'll grab energy either from the air or from the, your loop underground. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's smart. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but again, it all yeah, costs money. It's inexpensive. It's inexpensive. <laughs> so I mean, years. there is a, oh, back, I just, so there was a talk about actually, uh, oh, you know, making U.S. industry go whole, whatever that is, you know, presidential order to go whole hog to make um, peat pumps to ship to Europe to help, you know, in the short term period because they're going to be going through uh, uh -huh. Right, because the the Russian uh, energy problem. Right? Yes. So to cut that tie entirely, or help accelerate that, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. So I think probably there's going to be a lot more push and you know rebates and stuff. I'm sure for heat pumps coming up. Right. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. mm -hmm. Ah, that's true. I think about that. Yeah. In fact, our utilities might even you know because they they've got the problem here of just in the summer when everybody's running air conditioning, right? It, uh, it just, you know, keeping these grids going is not yeah. easy. Yes. Right? It, yeah. That's what people don't realize, the balance they did yeah. with the number of right. generators right. they have at the different plants. And, right. oh, we have to kick up another one because, oh, right. it's going to be 90 degrees this week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's all these ACs are going to kick on. It's right. just yeah. such a demand. Yeah. yeah. And uh, people don't, it's, it's not just all sitting there waiting for you. It's no, being generated. No, it's you can't some generate. poor people yeah. sweating like crazy in big control rooms, right? And yeah. Making sure they can get it to you, right? Yeah. Right. We need so, to have one of them on. Have them yeah. How that, works. that would yeah. be really interesting, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's we need to write that down. Okay. We, we need to do yeah. that. <laughs> Talk to some at the big utilities here. They they probably I'm sure they'd do that, right? Yeah. Yeah, because they're worried about. I know that. The, yeah, they're worried about this issue, right? Because you mm -hmm. probably got a a mailer lately telling you, can we put this thing on your on your air conditioning that'll shut it down when we get to hit the peak hours. It saves you money too, right? Because, oh, wow. you know, the power prices go up. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, uh, so I'm thinking of, uh, that's from the utility, right? Okay. Uh, to put that on our air conditioner so that if uh, they get in trouble, right, they'll shut your air conditioner off for a little bit just to help balance the, the load. And it, you know, yeah. it does pay because the prices are higher. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've been seeing what's happening in Texas. People are paying, you know, 500 Actually, times or more the regular price 
oh. for electricity, and they're ending up with two, three thousand dollar bills, right? Oh, because of the way the Texas system works, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, I think it's going to force more and more people to just say, "I'm going to put solar on," and you know, yeah. sure, right? This is what what it's going to do. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. Oh wow. You know, it's, I mean, that's the whole topic of the future. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah. that's a, everything we do. I mean, we're sitting here, we have lights around us. I know, I know, we're so spoiled, right? You well, that really. we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's everything we do seems like it takes more and more. Right, right. I mean, even our recreational things is, you know, yeah. I mean, it, years ago, people would maybe read a book. Right. Where now they're oh, reading no, it on no. a device. And then yeah. uh, uh, the growth, the internet, if, if it continues, or just like server systems and that, if they continue on the, the rate they're at, they're going to be up to 20% of our energy needs in like by 2030 or more. Oh my goodness. They're, and so everybody forgets about your little phone, and but yeah. that whole backup of that whole system yeah. and uh, uh, that we seem to need now, right? And so mm -hmm. um, actually I talked to, uh, he might be an issue, there was somebody in Australia thinking about energy efficient ways to run run uh, server, uh, you know, the great big, yeah. huge buildings, right? Mm -hmm. That uh, They do that, uh, all the interesting ways to try and cut energy needs, right? Because it's it's huge, mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah, it's just one of those things we take for granted. No, it is, yeah, until yeah. till it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> yes, until it's gone, then we were like, oh, wow. Yeah. That was, a, that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we got off drilling quite a ways, but no. Okay. <laughs> uh, what, did we not? Did we cover everything with drilling that we were going to talk about? I well, you were going to ask what's the deepest borehole. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what we're going <laughs> to And then I, I took you off course. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, the deepest borehole. Uh, and uh, it's actually 12202 meters deep, and it was drilled in the Kola Peninsula by, in, by Russia, uh, you know, and finished maybe about 25 years ago, right? And uh, it was a lot of studies, really interesting, right, uh, there. Uh, it's closed up now, and, and of course, if you, uh, in your clickbaits and that, you'll sometimes keep this whole lot of worth of, you know, that kind of that garbage, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, it is real, right? And uh, uh, unfortunately, it's closed right now. But, um, and uh, those, that's took a special kinds of developments, just technically, because uh, yeah. to drill, to right? To drill that Yeah, thing. right, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm Special kinds of drill strings and, uh, for the drilling process and that, yeah. Plus warm, right? And then there was a deep borehole in Germany to almost nine kilometers, right? And it got too hot. They wanted to beat the Russians, right? This was about <laughs> 25 years ago, but it got too hot, right? And cool. so the heat is the thing that kind of uh, kills you a lot. And uh, uh, But going, um, uh, say, the Gulf of Mexico, places like that now, uh, don't quote me exactly, but it's probably a good six, seven kilometers, right? And some of the deep basins in Wyoming and in Alberta, they'll drill to five kilometers, right? Uh, uh, fairly regularly now, yeah. It, what are they doing? Why are they drilling that deep? Well, that's all hydrocarbons, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, so okay. huge. Uh, so, uh, uh, and so that was the uh, the one with uh, the, the big blowout, the BP blowout yeah. a few years ago, right? Yeah. Uh, they were under pretty extreme conditions, right? And uh, uh, plus some things went wrong and 
uh, and you know it's extreme conditions down there, pressures and temperatures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure it is, <laughs> right? Uh, and so I always make this joke uh, of um, uh, you know putting something into a borehole to make measurements is actually ha uh, harder than you know. Uh, some of the space probes, they just sit out on the surface or something, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but you, you got to put something in a tube and it has to go down, you know, kilometers. It has to rattle the whole way and it has to survive pressure and temperature and, mm -hmm. and sometimes pretty nasty, like these brines, right? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Corrosive as can be, right? Oh, you know, yes. yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, pretty nasty conditions, right? <laughs> it's it's tough engineering. We don't think about it. Yeah, right. how much yeah. engineering it takes place right. to do the science right. that we're mm -hmm. trying to figure out. Right. We don't even think about all of those components. Right. Yeah. It's just right. mind blowing. But uh, there's another kind of statistic, right? The longest borehole, and don't quote me for sure, is probably on the order of 14 kilometers. And that would be off. It was, uh, uh, and it could be longer, I haven't checked lately, but these are horizontal boreholes that they drill uh, from Sakhalin Island off Russia, but it was a uh, U.S. company Exxon, right? And they drilled horizontally that far, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's uh, just because of the, if you can drill horizontally, right, and, and access your reservoir, mm -hmm. it makes much more sense than trying to just go, you know, a pinpoint vertically through oh, it, right? Yeah. yeah. So. Um. So that's, uh, and the technology for that is, is pretty interesting, right? Just how you got to steer them from so far. And yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. crazy. That it's right, just... yeah, yeah. So it's uh, actually pretty impressive how that can be done. But, uh, yeah. See, that's, that's got to be sci-fi stuff there. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> she gets tired of hearing me say that. Oh, no. <laughs> this is what we deal with. This is... <laughs> This is what we deal with. Everything we, you guys talk about, it's like, is this, is this real or just science fiction? Because yeah. it's just crazy. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's those those are things the the B movies are made from. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. you gotta get your inspiration somewhere. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Reality is yeah. weirder than the, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, we appreciate you taking yeah, time chatting yes. with us. Okay, okay. And, sure. uh, Thank this you. is it's very interesting. Yeah, it is. Okay, yeah, it, yeah. I guess we got off drilling, but that's okay. Yeah, I'd say we started with drilling. We started on topic, and then we just kind of drifted around, then we back and forth. Right, right. We yeah. did a little drifting. But I, I know I had more questions I was going to ask about the different, how they do the drill and how they right. decide and all those things. But okay. I uh, started, I think I took us off track. Well, if you get desperate later. Yeah. <laughs> 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 be, we'll have to go for a round two where we'll try to stay on track. Right, yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll have a uh, script. Right? Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cue cards. Yeah. We'll have to hire somebody to stand back here. No, don't snatch that. Just snatch this. That's what it would take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. Again, we do appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Science from the Experts from Purdue University Superheroes of Science. If you like this episode, subscribe, give us a positive view, and share the love. Boiler up! Hammer down!